Hey folks, it's your pal Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com and Twitter.com slash SlyFlourish here with a special episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. Uh, typically, this is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times on Sundays. However, the, today we're having a special episode because I have a game today. Today is Saturday. Uh, I will still be having a show tomorrow on Sunday in which we talk about my homebrew Eberron campaign uh, called uh, The Second Morning. But uh, I had an opportunity, the you know, opportunity, we're trying to take all the opportunities you can while we're sitting at home, uh, socially distancing ourselves. And uh, my opportunity is I get to play with a few people that are typically kind of far away, uh, but we can get together for a game today. So I have a group of maybe five to six people, I'm not quite sure exactly how many, a friend of a friend might be coming. Uh, and we are going to be playing over Discord. Uh, I have run, I think, about four games over Discord now, that sounds about right, and we're getting to know Discord pretty well as a platform for playing d and I'm pretty comfortable with it, so this is a, um, yeah, so it's going to be a good time. And I was pondering, so I knew that I wanted to get the group together, but I didn't know what I wanted to play, and uh, I was kind of looking around for different adventures and thinking, like, do we want to do one shot? Do we want to start a campaign? What do we want to do? And I've always, you know, I've had Descent into Avernus on my shelf, and both my groups, did, uh, my, my regular groups, were more interested in playing in Eberron uh, than they were in uh, Avernus. So we said, um, uh, let's skip Avernus for now, and we'll do Eberron, which meant I wasn't playing Avernus for anybody. So I said, you know, it might be kind of fun to play Avernus, and it looks good uh, with qualifiers. So um, I wanted to give it a shot and see what we could, see what we could, what we could do. Uh, let me know if any of my, uh, my levels and everything are cool. Uh, and glad to see all of the people here in uh, chat today. So thank you all for coming. So yeah, uh, so what I looked at was a uh, adventure that, so, so I've been, you know, while I haven't been running Avernus, I've been paying a lot of attention to Avernus. Uh, I gave the book a, a solid skim read, not a deep read, not like a Sam Dillon level deep read. But I did uh, give it a good cursory read, and I've been reading lots of people talking about it. And some folks in my, my Discord channel uh, have been running it, and they've been talking about it. Merrick Blackman being one of them. He's been running it for his uh, local AL group in, in Australia. And so I've been watching that. Hey, my mom is here. Hi, mom. So, um, yeah. And so I've been paying a lot of attention to it, even if I haven't been running it. Um, is my mic or my camera's a little, a little high. So, uh, yeah, so I've been paying a lot of attention to it and, um, but I haven't been running. And so I said, well, you know, it might be a good chance for us to run it today. And I don't know if it's going to be a regular campaign or not. So we'll see. But I figure, yeah, even if it's got, you know, I, I never want to, I don't mind leaving players hungry. So not everything has to have like a clean ending. I don't, I, I think having, as long as the ending is solid enough and, you know, you can have some nice big hints at the end, even if it's, uh, even if it's, um, uh, even if it's not complete. So, uh, but one thing I knew was that I didn't like the introduction to Descent into Avernus. The way the adventure, by the way, so this show is going to be full of Descent into Avernus spoilers. So prepare yourself for close the door. So my wife doesn't hear. Um, so uh, I knew when I read it that I wasn't crazy about how it started. And to me, the reason why is, and again, full of spoilers, uh, the beginning of the adventure starts with an entire city called Elter- Elterel being sucked into Avernus, the first layer of hell. 
Uh, I have there's like a little picture of it in the in the lower right corner. You can see. So uh, El Torrel is a is a pr- very interesting city because it has a uh, orb that floats over. It's a full size city, but it has an orb that floats over it that essentially bathes the city in daylight all all the time. And I think it has something to do with a vampire. Uh, like there was the vampires used to rule over El Torrel hundreds of years ago, and then uh, somebody made a pact and uh, with an angel and they bathed the entire city in sunlight all the time. And that kind of got rid of all the vampires. That was like a good, clear way to get rid of all the vampires. And then the city has been this kind of, you know, monument of, of stalwartness uh, and fighting in the, you know, light in the darkness kind of place. And um, then uh, in beginning of descent into Avernus, one day uh, the sun goes black completely black and essentially teleports the entire city out of Faroon and into hell. Right. And, uh, in the adventure, all of that happens off screen. And instead of seeing that you start at, with a bunch of refugees trying to get into Baldur's gate and people very angry about, about Baldur's gate. Hey, Joe Kupski is here. Uh, and Joe, this is full of spoilers, but not for your group. So I think you're okay. And I, I don't know if we'll be running for a group. So it's probably cool. And maybe you already know everything about it anyway. So the idea that you would have this massive, you know, one of the things that D&D is so good at is we have an unlimited special effects budget, right? We can describe anything. We could talk about planets colliding. We can talk about suns that smash into planets and destroy them completely. We could talk about infinite, you know, infinite layers of the abyss that are each infinitely wide. We can, we can describe things that cannot exist and cannot be visualized, right? Like, or, or cannot be easily visualized and cannot be done with special effects. We have an unlimited special effects budget. And one of those would be watching an entire city get teleported into hell. And they don't show it, right? It's not an actual scene in the book. And a lot of people are like, why on the why in the nine hells would you not show a scene like that? Why would you have that be one of the defining moment of the campaign, right? The major hook for the whole campaign and you don't see it. So, um, that, that's kind of a, a you know, that's kind of a bait. So uh, as retired Android says, well, you can include it in the intro. Yeah, you can. Uh, you can also run a, uh, we'll pull it up here on the other side. Uh, there's an adventure. Whoops put together by uh, Justice Armand and um, uh, uh, Fall of El Terrell. There it is. Baldur's Gate, The Fall of El Terrell. This is done by Anthony Joyce and Justice Armand. Uh, Armand. And it is a short adventure. I think, what did they say? 22-page adventure that is a different introduction into, into Descent into Avernus. And this is the adventure that I'm going to be running today. Uh, instead of starting at the gates of Baldur's Gate, it starts in El Torel, and you are there as three major political factions. Um, now, some of this is my own that I'm planning to do, and then some of this is is here in, in this adventure. Uh, I don't know. Let's see if I have a copy I can pull up. Um, so... Uh, instead of starting at Baldur's Gate, you start in El Torel, before the fall of El Torel, and... Your there's there's these major political factions are getting together. Yeah, um, there's tyranny. Tyranny of dragons can be included in this too. But uh, and actually, 
So I've run the hell out of Tyrannia Dragons, so I'm not going to run that again. But I think I love having Tyrannia Dragons as like a hook into all of the campaigns that take place inside Forgotten Realms. It's kind of fun to have that be sort of a common element that the, the missing dragons and everything like that. Um, we can talk about that a little bit more, but um, yeah, we'll see. So um, major political factions are getting together in Elturel, including Dur- uh, Grand Duke Alder Ravenguard and uh, Onthar Froom, head of the Order of the Gauntlet, and some other person who's head of the Hellriders. And the leader of um, Elturel was supposed to be, as, be there as well, but didn't show up. And this has caused a major political, uh, major political problem. Uh, at the same time, Baldur's Gate itself is starting to fall, in, you know, fall into disorder. Um, and they are, uh, you know, all kinds of craziness is going on. So the characters go off on a few side missions and they find four different cults operating outside of El Terrell. Uh, three of the cults are known as the cult of the dead three. These are the cultists of Bane, Baal, and Merkel, three dead, three evil dead gods. And they are still, um, conducting these dark rituals outside of El Terrell. And they are going after the cult of the dragon. Uh, which is the people who were responsible for attempting to bring up Tiamat during the War of the Dragon, which happened five years ago in my world. And uh, Tiamat was going to come to Faroon, and they stole tremendous amounts of money to try to uh, lure her into the, into the realm. Lost much of the money, not all of it, but many, much of it, and bankrupt many villages and towns all around the area. So... Um, they're all getting together in El Terrell. The party goes and deals with uh, some dead three cultists. And on their way back after dealing with some of these cultists, they're standing on a hill. And then, boom, they see, they see the companion, the big sun that's hanging over the city, turn black. And they see these huge hellish rifts tear around the city. And they watch the whole city just collapse into hell. And then what's left is a giant crater. So, um, uh Oh, interesting. Uh, so Wayne Ween says, there was also a blog post series in D&D Beyond from James Hake, which I will be running probably. Road to Baldur's Gate was the title. Really like those since they introduced devil deals and very stuff early on. Interesting. I'll have to take a look at those. Um, I don't know if I'll have a chance before my game today. I think I'm kind of committed, but we'll, we'll see. So what I like about Fall of Elturel is that it throws, it shows the event, right? And it also kind of throws you into a different drive than you're refugees outside of Baldur's Gate and now you're conscripted to go hunt down cultists and if you don't do it, we kill you, which is kind of what's in the book. Uh, so I, I didn't like how the book um, buried the lead, you know, buried the lead, buried like the main scene of the thing and, um, and I like this better. The other interesting thing is that it gives some options for factions for characters. I think we're going to start that all of the characters are either associated with or tied to the Hell Riders of El Terrell. And this makes El Terrell a, you know, they're all from El Terrell and they, and they love it. Right. And they know it's history. I can, I can spill a lot of the history of El Terrell on them, um, because they will be natives to El Terrell. And then when they see the city disappear, they have a, they have an immediate strong hook of, we need to get El Terrell back. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's what we're going to be running. Uh, why don't I see if I can pull it up here? Uh, uh, fall of El Terrell. Think that looks good. Yes, so here it is. Um, uh, yeah, so so I'm much happier with that introduction. Um, and the Hell Riders are really interesting. So uh, I think I feel I've, I've 
I feel like I've already got enough to like go go with an adventure. And uh, why don't we go through the steps today? So I'm going to jump over to here. And actually what I'll do is grab the adventure and stick it in the other window over here. Uh, Fall of Elturel is intended to be a two-hour a two-hour introductory adventure, um, and uh, you know, and it, and it has that like stronger stronger connection to the faction. This is really well designed, and it's you know not to complain, but I don't know why the fifty-dollar hardback book doesn't include a better introduction than something that a couple of community folks can put together for five. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking justice. Like, like, like Anthony and justice are, are, you know, doing, doing the God's work here, right. Of making this thing. But like, you put so much money into a hardback book. This is, yeah, it's a really weird concept, right? Like you put so much money in the hardback book. I don't know how much that costs, but boy, when you hold, like I have the collector's edition of Descent and Avernus and you open it up and it's filled with beautiful artwork, double page spread artwork, this incredible production quality, right? So good. And then you read it and like the hooks are a mess. And I've talked to people who run it and they're like, yeah, the hooks are a mess, right? And you ask people like, how did this happen? And they're like, well, they're, you know, it's loose. So uh, I, have a, I have a theory, um, and, you know, I don't know, gossipy, go- gossipy theory. Um, but I think like the marketing team got involved in this adventure late. Uh, my feeling is that when they were making this thing, they probably had a direction they were going and then uh, at some point, the marketing team said, you know, we want to try to sell this outside of just Descent and Avernus. We want to make, and, and they knew that Baldur's Gate 3 was coming out. So they said, why, why don't we try to tie it in with Baldur's Gate? Well, the weird thing is like Baldur's Gate 3 isn't out. It's not even going to be out for like a year. So they're missing the mark there anyway. And the announcement was around the same time. So they sort of had like announcing Baldur's Gate, the video game, plus Baldur's Gate 3. But that's convoluted because like, you know, the game's not out, right? So here's one that is released. That's from... So I think they, I don't know if Baldur's Gate was thrown in after the fact or not, but um, it seems like it's, it's you know, kind of disjointed. And also they had a Baldur's Gate adventure. We just had Bald- Murder in Baldur's Gate was like four years ago. You know, five, maybe it's longer than that, six or seven years ago. But, it, you know, it wasn't that long ago when we had a big Baldur's Gate adventure. And they have a big Baldur's Gate primer and it's all available on DMs Guild already. So I don't know why they threw Baldur's Gate in here. Uh, and that, that kind of, you know, that, that's kind of weird if you ask me. Um, but whatever, here we are. And uh, the book has such great production value, it's a shame not to use it. The other interesting thing, though, is if I could go to Amazon, and they're just complaining now, but, you know. If you go to Amazon and look at uh, Avernus, it's got 936 five-star reviews, right? That's a lot of reviews. Uh, in comparison, like if we look at... Uh, 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 let's look at Curse of Strahd as a... Curse of Strahd is always one to like benchmark against because it's, it's a, yeah. So that's 1,056. This is from my polls and everything like that, the most popular of D&D uh, adventures. It's the one that has held the longest and been run the most. And it's a great adventure. I, it's the best adventure I've ever played. And it's the best fifth edition adventure you can get, if you ask me. And that one has 1,056 five-star reviews. So which means I think Avernus is a close second, which tells me like, hey, whatever marketing, you know, and here's like, ugh. So there's a verified purchase of somebody. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to read like bad reviews. Um, yeah. So I imagine it was uneven bits and a few creaky plot devices. Um, and then some people got damaged versions. Everyone gets damaged versions. So, uh, yeah, lots of, you know, lots of things. So the number of reviews is, is pretty significant and the, and the quality of the reviews is, you know, it's averaging five stars, which is pretty great. 
you know, but like, how do you, that's so why I think a lot of it is due to, um, I think people buy it and they look at the production value and the production value is great. I saw a review online that said it's the best D&D adventure that's ever been made. And you're like, that's not true. <laughs> like, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm not an expert. I, I don't know. I'm probably an expert, right? I think you could probably say I've been spending a lot of time playing D&D games and, uh, Chris Estrada, like as a DM reading it, I know where to go with Chris Estrada. And this one, I feel like I have to go to a third party publisher in order to get a introduction to this adventure that I actually dig. So yeah. Anyway, my, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I wish they would spend more time making sure that the storyline is clear and focusing on that. I worry that the marketing team is getting too involved in the products that come out of D and D um, and uh, that might suffer. The, the work might suffer. So I don't know. Let me again, take a drink here. Not on, not on mic. Thinking about hardcover adventures is thirsty work. So anyway, I'm running Fall of Azura. I don't care. We are where we are. Like you can't complain about an adventure after the fact, right? It's out. It is, it is the way it is. It's out. And, um, uh, you know, and, and we want to squeeze it, right? Like again, how much, let, let's, I'm going to throw a number out there. I'm going to make up a number. So, you know, we'll do a good, a good, a little tiny bit of science. Like what's the minimum amount of money it would cost to make that adventure? It's that, that thing's gotta be at least a $50,000 adventure on the minimum. And it could be as much as a $150,000 adventure. So if we average those together, that's like $80,000, right? So if you do like the, 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 what is it? The geometric mean. Um, so, uh, the geometric mean is like somewhere around $80,000. So that, that means like you're getting an 80,000, it costs $80,000 to make that book. And we get it for 50, right? Or 30 if you bought it on Amazon. That's value, right? You're getting a lot of money. A lot of money went into that. A lot of people's energy, a lot of money, a lot of stuff went into that book. And you're getting it for 30 bucks, right? That's a crazy, that's a crazy deal. So we want to take that and we want to squeeze it and we want to get as much out of it as we can. And we can with just some slight tweaks and everything like that. Um, Austin Nettas says, uh, do you think best campaign ever is more campaign setting and it's surround and and sur- and it's surrounding rather than playability. I mean, it's got max flavor, right? Yeah, it's got max flavor. And um, no, I mean, it, it's an adventure, right? This is a, so the, the, these books are campaign adventures. They are big, you know, three tier adventures. And the setting, I think people like it because the atmosphere is good, but it's not playable as is, or it's the playability is challenged. I'm being nice. But like I've talked to people who run it and they're running in AL campaigns. They have to kind of quote unquote run it as is, which I think is a mistake. But they they run it as is and and they have lots of problems, right? There's lots of hooks that never never sink in. And we're gonna talk about some of those today. So um yeah, so I think you know, I think it's I think it's a problem. Like it's a it's a usability problem. It's like it's beautiful and it's got atmosphere and the art is great and the monsters are cool and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, but you can't actually just open it up and play. And I'd argue like Curse of Strahd, you can. Like Curse of Strahd is great. I'd even argue that um so Tomb of Annihilation has probably a few problems that are similar to this one. Um Tomb felt easier to fix with just some tiny little tweaks. Um But uh uh I feel like this one needs more work. You know, just from the get-go. I haven't run it yet. So this isn't a full review because I can't do a full review until I've run it all the way through. And that was true for Tomb of Annihilation. Like, I, it, it took me running Tomb of Annihilation twice all the way through before I felt confident saying, here's Tomb of Annihilation. Um, yeah, Navy DM says, I love a lot of the people that wrote this book. I love them too. And I don't necessarily blame them. So uh, I, don't, I don't think it, this is a matter of faulty writing. I think it was a production problem. I think that it was, a, it, it was an issue with how it was put together. So... Um, 
Uh, so we'll see. Anyway, let me dive in. Let's, I got a game. I got a game to go. So let's, let's talk about a game. Uh, I need coffee. I, need drink. Uh, I haven't had enough caffeine yet, clearly. It's decaf, so it's not helping. Um, for exactly that reason, a lot of the good parts that were not connected that well. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm putting my finger, if I'm going to, I don't, I'm putting blame as anything else. Like, what do I want? I want a cohesive adventure and I want one that where, where, you know, it's, it's built to run. Right, I want one that's really well tuned and play tested and built for people to be able to open it up and run it, right, and not do a lot of work. I'm a lazy dude, and I don't want to do a lot of work. And when I pay fifty bucks, fifty bucks is an incredible bargain for a you know eighty thousand dollar ish product that came out. It's probably even more than that. I think when you consider like the salaries and the cost of everybody involved, I don't know. I'll have to do like an estimate on how much I think it costs, but like a hundred thousand dollars isn't out of the question. So $50 is a tremendous value for $100,000 for an adventure that had $100,000 production cost. But um, it's also 50 bucks. And when you spend $50 on adventure, it ought to be playable, like right out of the thing. You ought to be able to grab and go and not be like, hey, this guy tells you that you have to go hunt these cultists. And if you don't, he's going to come and kill you with guys who are way more powerful than you. Hey, those dudes who are more powerful than me, send them after the cultists. Anyway, so um, let's get into the start. Uh, so I'm running Fall of El Terrell. I already know this, and I, I want to go with where we go. Uh, do I have my... Yes, I've got my, my game notes up here. So who are the characters? I don't know. Uh, so part of the game today is we're going to talk about the characters, but I do think we're going to have uh, group factions. Uh, this is a... Group faction is really... A, it's, the idea's been around about... I talk about it in Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, and they actually made it a core component of um, Descent, or of uh, Eberron. And uh, I think we're going to do it here. And there are three potential factions, but I think we're leaning towards Hellriders. So I think it might be cool to have them all focus on the Hellriders and all focus around a particular Hellrider NPC. Um, and we should put that as the main... Who's the main group? Um, uh, a, a Hellrider lieutenant. And uh, somebody in chat who knows this adventure can... Uh, make my life easier because I'm going to have to go dig. But um, there is a... Is there a Dramatis Personae in this one? They don't, they don't have that one in this one. Sometimes they have a Dramatis Personae and they show all the people that are going to be involved. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Anthony Joyce... Are you the Anthony... Is A. Joyce 001 the uh, writer of this adventure? Are you the... Uh, are you the Anthony Joyce? Excellent. Oh, you can help me out. Uh, so, oh, it's so great that you're here. How awesome is it? Talk about privilege when you can come on Twitch and one of the people that's in your Twitch channel is one of the people that wrote the adventure you're about to run. Thank you, Anthony, for doing the work of the gods and helping make Descent into Avernus a more playable adventure. Um, uh, you still activated. Oh, is Anthony Joyce uh, in the military? Um, so Rhea, let's do a search for Rhea da, da, da. and get last names. Rhea Mantle, Mantlemorn. All right. So we have an NPC and I think this is going to be our, the reason why I'm jumping straight to this, um, uh, is a lawful good female human hell rider speaks common born in the land of termish Rhea came yeah this is good uh, so 
So she actually sees the event take place. Um, and uh, uh, she is, I, I don't know, let's see, is she, does she have a rank? And, and she's probably in the, um, uh, in here too. Uh, Anthony, a question for you. Uh, do you care that I have the PDF of your adventure up here? Uh, I don't want to show too much. I can just show the beautiful cover. If it bothers you, I will do that off screen. Uh, but, you know, I don't want to necessarily say like, here's the whole adventure. Please let me know if that becomes a problem. Uh, okay, you do free previews. Awesome. Just want to make sure. Uh, is Rhea in here? Is Rhea Mantelmorn? Um, uh, oh, so Rhea is a teenager? Uh, again, I ask that Rhea, a teenage Hellrider, lead the raid against the Cult of the Dragon and Elder Roads, and that the characters belonging to the Hellriders accompany her. So, um, wow. Uh, yeah, so she is a junior Hellrider. Uh, I might make her a little bit like a Hellrider lieutenant. I think we're going to up her age a little bit, and I think we're going to make her a Hellrider lieutenant because I have a feeling that she's going to be kind of the main group patron. Um, and uh, she could still be very young. Like maybe she's still a teenager, yeah, and uh, she's just really good she's she's a she's a prodigy. I don't want her to overshadow the characters though, so I have a feeling I'm not going to have her join the party. I think she's going to give information to the party, but she's going to do investigating off screen so she's going to be a main vehicle for uh information coming back to the characters sort of off screen uh, so she's the group Rhea Mantelmorn is the group patron um, group patron. Uh, yeah, Joan of Arc was 17. Exactly. Uh, so I don't know who the characters are. So we're going to find that out today. Uh, and I've got my group patrons. So the strong start is um, the argument. Um, the, the, the real thing is where the hell, where the F is uh, Thavis. Is that his name? Krieg? Uh, Thavius Krieg. Look at oh, this man. All you need to run D and D is have fifty people in your channel that can help you run D and D. Um, so Thavius Krieg is another important NPC. These are these these uh, and uh, current, and he's the head of uh, Elterel, right? Um. And he uh, is missing. Uh, he is also, spoiler, uh, the instigator of um, the events going on here. So where the F is Thavis Krieg is the strong start. Uh, we have, um, uh, what's his called? Duke um, Ravenguard, right? Um, Klieg, Klieg, is it Klieg, Klieg, better, whoops, um, Oldar, and is he High Duke, is that right, uh, he is there, who heads the, um, uh, oh, Onthar Froom of the Order of the Gauntlet is here. 
Um, and is there a leader of uh, the Hellriders? Does anybody know? Before I start looking, if not, I will make one up. Uh, but if there's a leader of the Hellriders, and is there a leader of the Hellrider? Like, who are the important NPCs after El Terrell falls into hell? It'd be really great to bring them in here. Uh, I should know that. Uh, let me go to Tales of Cities and let's look up. Um, oh, you list them in the Fall of El Terrell, so let me take a look. Uh, da, 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 da. Whoa, maps. I don't know why this is. Gideon Lightward. There you go. So uh, they're here, all these leaders, these important people, right? Bunch of, um, uh, a bunch of the leaders are here, and they are expected to be having a council meeting to discuss the um, uh, Oldar Raven Guard is losing control of Baldur's Gate, right? Uh, cult, cultists. Uh, have grown and corruption is coming with them. It is as though someone, um, uh, it is as though uh, someone, yeah, on D&D Beyond, there is not a Dramatist Persona, but Pronunciation Guide, which does the same job in the index view. Oh, cool. Um, Cultists have grown in the city and corruption is coming with them. Uh, It is as though... A poisoned has been planted deep in the city, right? Nice, solid thing. And, you know, the, the how about this? The city is descending into hell. This is all Duke Ravengard saying this. And he's like, are you kidding me? We've been negotiating this, right? You like that? It's like he's metaphorically saying the city's falling into hell, right? And then El Terrell actually falls into hell. And I think some of the players are going to know, and that'll be kind of funny. So the characters are going to see this exchange. Eldar Ravengard is there. He's like, are you kidding me? You know, we've had a tenuous relationship for all of this time. And we negotiated. I left my city to come here to work with you guys. And you're telling me that Thavius Klieg is in Baldur's Gate that he left? What in the hell are you talking about? Like, why, you know, why would this be? And so, um, maybe DM says, that's already a better connection than the actual start of the book. Yeah. So, you know, he's like, this is insane. You know, what is going on? And meanwhile, so, um, you know, and he's saying, look, you got cultists on your own side, you know? And, you know, and, and so he gives information to, so, so like, oh, so they see all of that. And then, um uh the patron Rhea is there uh sends the characters out to hunt so you know and this is like look i don't know that anything's going to happen here today you know we're in a bad state but we have you know why don't you go out, you know, if the rumors are true that there are actually cultists that are operating outside of El Terrell, why don't you go find them and kill them, right? There's a job for you. Go, go find them and, 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 and learn what you can if this is true. Do it right now. 
And so then the characters head out and they engage in the adventures inside uh, Fall of Altera, which is awesome. It starts off with a wedding, right? Yay, we have a nice wedding. And they get to see a wedding and they have some fun NPC things. It's a great way. I really like this idea. Um, oh, the one thing I'm not doing. So uh, in, in, in one thing that uh, um, uh, Anthony and Justice did in here is that there's, this can be run as a um, uh, this can be run as a precursor to either Tyranny of Dragons or um, uh, Descent into Avernus. But I've already run Tyranny. So I'm going to have this set five years after Tyranny, which means they're all here to discuss uh, the missing gold. Um, and they came here to try to say, how are we going to... Maybe maybe part of it is Older wants to use the gold to help hire more Flaming Fist mercenaries. And he's come to, to get it. Um, the dragon's gold. That ties it to a whole bunch of other things. So, um, yeah. And then I think, so they'll see all of that. And then the characters that we sent off, they get involved in the wedding. And then they go out and they uh, get to the areas and they see the... Um, uh, they uh, have the wedding, uh, saving grace. Oh yeah, what happens here? Fifteen-year-old uh, human female grace collecting spare coins. She get she get treated by a bear, wolves, right? Oh yeah, so we can have like hell wolves. Um, that kind of that that kind of chase it. So that that's a good a good one. So uh, let's go to our scenes. Um, the failed negotiation. Uh, treed by wolves. And we'll devil wolves. Uh, foreshadowing is great. So having wolves with like red eyes and like mangy fur and, you know, weird, yeah, crazy stuff on them. Um, oh, the wedding. The red wedding. Because it's taking place during hell. It's not really a red wedding. I'll just say the wedding. Uh, tree by wolves and then hunting, cultist hunting, right? And I love the idea that the um, the dead three cultists are uh, sacrificing a dragon cultist. Like that's kind of you know one problem solving another. So I really I kind of dig that idea that there's still some dragon cultists around. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, there's there's a lot of them. Um, uh, what is this? Uh, wandering in the woods. Twenty uh, percent chance characters attract the attention of owl bear. Eh, maybe I don't know. Level one. I am doing my house rules where everybody gets five extra hit points so that you can actually throw an owl bear and not kill people. Um, and then here is the ritual site. Um, and there's a bunch of dead uh, dragon cultists here. So the the, the cultists of dead three are they working together? Right, they're all they're all because the dead three is kind of one sort of one cult, right? I mean, they're different factions, but they're not fighting each other, and they're um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to throw this in my um, I'm going to throw it in my uh, uh, I'm going to throw it in Discord so that they can see it. So. Uh, yeah, so they fight some cultists, right, in some rings. And and I think there's some nice kind of interesting, you know, interesting cultists here, different. I like I like the cult of the Dead 3. I always like them anyway. I love cultists period. But I think the the difference of these cultists is really kind of interesting. The aura of murder and stuff like that is kind of a cool 
you know, a cool effect. Um, so, uh-oh, did I fall off? Am I gone? Hello? Hello? Am I back? You might have to hit refresh on your browser. But hopefully it's still working. Weird. A drop. Okay. I don't know what happened. So, um, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so they fight the Cult of the Dead 3. Uh, they go Cult to something, and then they see the fall of Elturel. And that is the adventure. Uh, and that may end up being most of it. Uh, so at that point, they will, you know, when they see all of that, they will hit level two. Uh, and then we will, um, I think we're going to smash cut to two weeks later. And they're at Baldur's Gate. Uh, these smash cuts can be tricky because there's usually somebody who's like, wait, I wanted to do a thing. And then you're like, okay, what, you know, two weeks have passed uh, as you made your way to Baldur's Gate. You know, what did you, what did you do? Um, so you can kind of run with that. But I think that uh, we're going to start in Baldur's Gate. And then uh, I guess the Elf Song Inn is a good place to go. And they're going to meet. Um, uh, I think we're going to have them meet their patron again, Rhea. Uh, as far as she knows, she might be the last Hellrider. Like, there's not a lot of Hellriders left because they were all in, um, you know, they were all in uh, Elturel when it fell. Uh, there are a few, but, you know, it's been trouble. And many consider that the Hellrider, they're in hiding, right? Uh, they're in, And all the remaining ones are in hiding because the Flaming Fist has been going crazy and they've been actually hanging Hellriders, Um because they believe that the Hell Riders were responsible for kidnapping older Raven Guard. Um, uh, yeah, and she's wanted by the Flaming Fist, so that's that's pretty cool. So she meets at Elfsong Inn, and she says, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence. She goes, I don't think there's – I think there are a few other coincidences. There's too many coincidences here. Why was the Cult of the Dead Three operating outside of the city when it disappeared? I think that the cult has something to do with this. I also, we know that the cult, I mean, Oldar told us that the cult is active in this city. And I have a friend here who tells me that he, that they believe they're operating out of the bathhouse. And I want, I would like, you know, I can't go with you, but uh, I would like you to go to the bathhouse and go root out these cultists and find out what you can and see if you can figure out what the hell they did to steal our city. I think that's a pretty strong hook. Um, and then the characters head to the bathhouse, uh, and the sewer, the, 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 you know, whatever it is, the layer of the dead three, right? That is certainly, that's like eight hours of gameplay right there. So I think, I think scene wise, um, this is about a five-hour game. This is longer than my normal game, four or five hours, including character creation and getting people set up on Discord and troubleshooting problems and stuff. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be too tight on time. And it's possible they might only get to the Fall of Elturel, uh, but then it might also get to Baldur's Gate. And it would not surprise me if they get to the point where they're about to enter the, um, uh, that they're about to enter the bathhouse, and that's where it would stop. So that that's not that's not um, 
That's not crazy. Uh, questions from Rhea. What are the Cult of the Dead Three doing? What happened to my beloved city? Does this uh, actually tie ba- to Baldur's Gate somehow? Seems a w- weird thrown in connection. Um, yeah. Right. So, so a hard part that I was, I was trying to ponder this before the show today. And the hard part that I was trying to figure out is like, when you see an entire city fall into hell, why would your next step would be like, well, I guess we should keep going after those cultists, huh? Right. Like you, you don't know it, but, but I think that to me, the idea that Rhea believes that there is a, that the cult of the dead three is responsible, right? It's one of these like co- you know, correlation equals causation. And she thinks like, we had all these cultists doing these rituals outside the city. What if there had been dozens of them doing these kinds of rituals all around the city? And that's what caused this. And we know they're operating in Baldur's Gate, so we're going to do it. So Rhea believes, uh, and this is what we're getting into our secrets here. Uh, Rhea believes that the cultists are responsible for um, the fall of El Terrell. Uh yeah, Rhea believes maybe, yeah, that, that you know, uh, Favius is, um, uh, Favius's disappearance could be uh, connected to the Cult of the Dead Three. Um, we have... Uh, Flaming Fist have been executing uh, members of the Hellriders. Flaming Fist mercenaries have been executing Hellriders. Baldur's Gate has never been a nice place. But in the past, what? How long? How long has the shield been in Baldur's Gate? Um, has fallen hard in corruption and bloodshed over the past um, six months. I like that. Six months has been getting worse and worse and worse. Um, the politics are in turmoil with Raven Guard's disappearance. So, older Raven Guard was the only thing keeping things uh, tied together in Baldur's Gate, and with his disappearance, it's now going to completely fall into disarray. It's martial law. Uh, Flaming First mercenaries have been taking, um, you know. Um, Vathamper. So this is the other one of the other um, um, the Dukes, um, the Council of Four. Um, Duke. Vathamper uh, has been speaking against the Flaming Fist, right? Um, I think her 
Thalmara. Let me do a search on that and see what I can find in the book. It is really nice to be able to search on stuff like this. Uh, Devil worshipping beast of a woman in her late 60s. You can stare down the hellhound as she's uh, without flinching. She orchestrated, so she's orchestrated this, right? She wants to be the new Grand Duke. Um, yeah, Rhea's tale is important that she's investigating the room of Thavis Krieg, high overseer. Uh, so Thavis Krieg was seen in Baldur's Gate, right? Um, what else? What other secrets do we have? I mean, the, the, so in this case, like, I'm trying to make sure that my secrets are tight enough to make sure that I'm tying the threads of the story together, right? That it's, it's, you can get from point A to point B to point C. And for this, I'm not worrying about the whole rest of the adventure. There's all kinds of stuff about getting into uh, Avernus and Candlekeep and Shields and Villa, kid, you know, heist at Villas and all this stuff. And that's like, I don't even, you know, I'll worry about that when it's time to worry about that. What I'm worried about today is like tying these scenes together. You have the failed negotiation, you have the wedding, you have the being treated by wolves, you have hunting cultists, you have the fall. And then from the fall, I need to get the characters from the outer edge of the destruction of El Terrell to Baldur's Gate, where they are trying to uh, find out what happened and how to bring it back. And they think it's tied to the Cult of the Dead Three. And I think that that is pretty strong. And then finding Thavius Klieg. Um, and uh, so who is hiding Klieg? Klieg is hidden inside, is hidden by the Cult of the Dead Three, right? Um, oh, come on. Isn't that how it's spelled? Did I spell it right, Gleeg? Am I not spelling it right? Is it not Gleeg? Was I was I given faulty? It is Krieg. Who said Gleeg? Man. I did a search and replace. I don't think it was you. I think it was... Uh, um, Joe, Joe's screwing, screwing things up. There we go. Um, evil and Baldur's Gate. Now the flaming fist could blah, 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 because it's da, 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 da. Um, Uh, Thavius Krieg, Raymond Guard did not go eagerly. He arrived, uh, Duke Vathamper is sheltering Krieg in the dungeon beneath her villa. So we could say that Krieg was seen with Vathamper. Uh, 
Uh, that's a good juicy secret, right? Um, um, her son stole the shield of the hidden Lord from a tomb beneath the city. Now that's being held. Um, so where is the shield now? Adventurers encounter Thavis Creep and find the shield that's in, so that it's in the villa. She's got it too. She, it's in the villa with him. Okay. And while it's there, like evil is pouring out of the city from this place. Basically when they dug it out of the tomb is when this started. So I think that's, that will have been six months ago. It woke up, right? It was asleep in the tomb and the corruption in Baldur's Gate was always pretty bad, but it's never like this. And then they woke it up six months ago. Um, hidden Lord. Shield of the Hidden Lord was dug out of an ancient tomb six months ago. Since then, Baldur's Gate has fallen into blood and deception. Um, Fathom Purr's sons were, were responsible for the excavation. Very good. All right, so I've got good secrets and clues. I've got my scenes. I've got connectors. I'm pretty happy with that. Um, fantastical occasions, I'm not going to worry about because these are in the adventure and boy, watching an entire city disappear, uh, is uh, a good enough fantastic location. So I'm pretty happy with that. I don't really need to worry about locations because the adventures have me covered because Anthony Joyce has me covered. Now I have to do the work. So NPCs, we have Rhea Mantelmorn, we have Thavius Krieg, the current leader, and we have, uh, Thalmara Vathamper. Um, uh, Duke of uh, Baldur's Gate hiding Thavius and the shield Uh, any other important NPCs that we have here Uh, we have the three leaders um, uh, Oldar, Ravengard, Ontharfrim and Gideon Lightward put them down here they're not super important. Um, uh, on the room, order the gauntlet and Gideon Lightward, uh, head of the Hell Riders. Um, so, uh, who's the woman in the bar? Um, all the way back at the top. Boy, they put everything in this chapter, didn't they? Um, Tarana? Like, who actually knows the stuff that's going on? Um, Yeah, Tarana. Chaotic evil. 
she's um, what does she want? Oh, I guess she that was she, so she wants people to deal with the bandits that are causing her trouble. Um, is she a flaming fist spy? Flaming fist spy, kind of, sorta. Um, good standing with nine figures. Uh, so she, yeah, so she is a catechism knows about. But what does she want? Like, what was what's her? So money's always good. Um, does she know that the Vathampers, um I don't know. I'm trying to think what would motivate her to work with the characters to give them information. She's the hook that gets the PCs to Dungeon Dead 3. She wants the PCs to, uh, the PCs to protect her from pirates. Um... I think she might know more than what's going on. And I think she, there's the, the Vathampers have something she wants. And she knows she's going to eventually send the characters into, um, uh, that she, uh, a death trap. Yeah. Um, that she knows that there's something, there's something in there. She doesn't want the shield. Uh, maybe she does want the shield. You know, maybe her thought is like they, they stole that old shield and it's powerful and magical and I want it. And maybe she gets corrupted by it. That could be, that could be interesting. Um, is there, do the Vathampers have dragon cultist gold? That would be kind of interesting too. So, yeah, um, I don't know that I have to worry about her too much. She'll just, she's probably one of these who's smart enough. So it's like, I'll do you a favor right now, but you'll do something for me later. I'm just going to, you know, I'll give you something for later. Uh, monsters are covered in the book. I don't really have to worry about that. It's like tons of cultists, right? But we've got some wolves and some other monsters, and that'll be fun. Uh, treasure, uh, I will probably throw a couple of relics in here, some, some cool uh, Cult of the Dead 3 relics would be great. Um, let's do one relic per character. So we will have a, um, a bane. We need a bane one, a ball one, and a Merkle. So let's go to our relic generator here. Uh, relics, relics. Take a look. Abyssal flute. Uh, who would have it? Would ball balls have would have a abyssal flute? That sounds pretty great. Uh, that casts. What is a good murder spell? Um, I think Merkel. I like I like vampiric touch is a good spell. Um, Bane searing smite sounds good. Um, a gauntlet that casts searing smite. With necrotic damage. Um, ball, uh, inflict wounds. 
want something that does it with blood, though. What's a good blood one? I could grab one of those um, uh, blood boil spells from... Oh, inflict wounds, but it'll be blood boil, but it's actually inflict wounds. We'll just do that. Uh, and Merkel, somebody had a good one. Um, uh, Searing Smite, uh, Inflict Wounds, uh, and what's a good? Uh, fear is always good. What's a good necro- low-level necrotic spell? A Vampiric Touch? Uh, I kind of like that for Ball, so I think we're going to switch these. Um And it'll be a glove. We'll do a glove. I did a, I did a, we'll do a dagger. And for Merkel, it will be a um, necklace, skull necklace. And this one casts uh, inflict wounds. There we go. A Bane Relic that casts Bane. <laughs> it's not bad. I like Searing Smite, though. Like, it's a, you know, Bane, Bane guys are all about physical strength and smashing stuff. So a gauntlet that you put it on and it casts, like, this necrotic smite. We go, bang, and it, you know, does a ton of damage. I think that would be good. So, um, so there we have it. Uh, so I think I've got my treasure. Um, here's another little interesting thing. I'll have this in the notes too. Uh, I don't know if I talked about this last time, but here's a way to be able to create an alias in Discord using Avre that lets you roll initiative for everybody all at once. And I'm keeping this in my notes because I plan to use it. So um, it's a it's a multi-line command that you put in with an, an alias. And then when you type bang roll in it, it rolls initiative for everybody in the group automatically. Players don't have to do anything. And that way you can just very quickly go from story into combat uh, without having to even say, you know, roll for initiative. Uh, you can just you can just run it and then, you know, immediately start calling people's names. Um, and it works pretty well. You have to tell your players you're doing it ahead of time, but it works really well. Uh, it is 11 o'clock. Uh, and, well, let's see. I started a little late, so I got a minute and a half left. Um, let's see. So I feel pretty good about this. I'm... You know, I, I, I think it's capturing the fun theme of this adventure, and I think I'm going to be able to squeeze a lot out of the um, – uh, I think I'm going to be able to squeeze a lot that's out of the hardcover, and I'm certainly going to get a lot of value out of uh, uh, Anthony Joyce's and Justice, Justice Armand's uh, adventure. Uh, Anthony, thank you for coming in the chat today. It was really awesome to have the guy who wrote the adventure in the chat. Do you have any tips? So as the guy who wrote it, give me, a, give me, give me one good tip for making the most out of the adventure that you that you wrote what did what what you know you've now seen people running in the wild or heard people running what what is the one tip you have for me to help get them the most out of the uh to get the most out of the work that you that you guys put together it's a fantastic adventure by the way it's my a lot there are a lot of adventures out there that have covered this like how to do it uh use grace and other emotional interactions to make the fall of el terrell meaningful um when you say grace is that a proper name, Grace? Who is Grace? Is that a person? Can uh, domestic Black Wolf gaining companion also characters gain a single piece of thread from Grace's rainbow scarf? Who is Grace? Um, 
when characters uh, witness the falls, uh, yeah, Grace is a young girl. Oh, she's the one that, yeah, okay, very good. She's the one that got treed by the wolves. Okay. Yeah, that could be really fun. So we're going to throw her, yeah, Grace Lynn, right? Uh, and I think she will be a fun character to kind of keep, uh, uh, to put, let me put her in my NPCs. Um, and her parents get are, are still in uh, El Terrell. Uh, and let me look at this rainbow scarf. Uh, what does the rainbow scarf do? Is it a, is it a special thing? Uh, gain a single piece of thread from Grace's rainbow scarf if they give her one gold piece more. Um, ooh. Oh, I see. So she makes it back into town, but then you know that she's gone? Is that the idea? Yeah, okay, cool. Got it. Perfect. I will do that. That is a great tip. Yeah, rainbow scarf, and then they see the, 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 a charred rainbow scarf goes flying by. And they're like, oh, my God. That would be a great that's a great like chapter ender for that hold for the fall of El Terrell. And then we jump two weeks later. You're at Baldur's Gate. Uh, cool. All right. I am ready to go. I'm eager to run some D&D today. So uh, thank you all for coming today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed my um, uh, rambling around in the beginning of Baldur's Gate or Descent in Avernus. Uh, perhaps I will run a How Did It Go show uh, later. We'll see how things go. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I kind of don't know the, this group is sort of a one-off. So hopefully we keep going, uh, and we will, we will see where we go from there. So thank you all for coming today. And especially thanks to Anthony Joyce for coming in the chat and helping me, um, uh, not butcher his adventure. Hopefully I don't butcher it too badly. And I will see, so I will be back on tomorrow at 10 AM Eastern standard time, right here on Twitch. You can follow the channel here to get an alert. Uh, or watch on Twitter. I will announce it on Twitter. But at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow, I will be talking about my um, Eberron, uh, Eberron second morning game. Uh, it'd be the third session of the second morning. Third session of the session, second morning. So see you tomorrow. Uh, and hopefully get out there and play some D&D. Have a great day.